Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. Podcast. This week's episode features Marcus Hansen with a message called Seeing Christ in One Another. I've been privileged to be in this way since the beginning of this move of the Holy Spirit. My oldest sister brought me to the first feast. That's about that tall. <laughs> but I was brought up in a Christian home with loving parents who God revealed and made real this precious way and uh, I've been trying with the very best of my ability to walk in God's ways I've been in a lot of camp meetings I've heard a lot of ministry I've heard a lot of prophecy I've heard a lot of singing in the Spirit. And I suppose if I sat down with a pencil and a paper, and I could think of all kinds of things to say, as a, to speak to you. And I think I could say the same for most of you. You've been to a lot of meetings, a lot of prayer meetings, a lot of camp meetings. You've heard God speak through prophecy, through teaching, through exhortation. You've been hearing from God. And your head is full of information. But when I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart, and when you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, something happened that was one of the biggest miracles, I think, other than the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because God made us in the, His image, right? We were spiritual. Yeah. Before Adam and Eve sinned, we were spiritual. Yeah. But when we sinned, we took on a carnal human nature. Yeah. Oh. But, Thousands of years later, when Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and died for our sins, and we accepted what happened on the cross of Calvary, and we believed that the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary for the remissions of our sins, God made the spiritual part of us, which had been dormant since we were born, come alive. Amen. So we have two natures. You have a human, I hardly kind of hate to say this, but I mean, this, in some ways it's very true. We have an animal nature, a human carnal sinful nature, and we have a divine nature. Amen. And the ability to inherit the fullness of what God has promised for us depends on us individually together as a corporate company of believers allow the spiritual part of our being to increase and our human nature part to decrease and that is the most difficult thing that you are faced with in this day and hour 
And I believe that God is bringing us to that point right now where we're going to have to start thinking very seriously. I want to read something here from Matthew. It's the 26th chapter. Matthew 26. You've all read this before, but you just, I want you to listen really carefully. Then Jesus went into his, with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, John and James, along with them, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. What do you think? What part of his nature was sorrowful and troubled? What part of the nature of Jesus was troubled and sorrowful? His human part. Jesus was born of a mother just like you. And he was a human person that Mary held in her arms and fed at her breast and he grew up to be a young man. And he was faced with absolutely every temptation that we are faced with. Because he was part human, but his father was who? God. God. Divine nature. So here's Jesus. You've got to picture this for a moment. He's kneeling well, they say by this particular rock in Israel, you can go there and look at it if you want. And he was kneeling to there and he was sorrowful in his human part of him. What made, what, what, who he was. When you saw Jesus walking down the street, he looked like a human person just like you and I. And that person of Jesus, natural person of Jesus, was sorrowful and troubled because he knew what the Father was requiring of him. Saints of God... God is requiring of us the same. And we'll talk about that as we get along here a little further on. So let's go back to the scriptures. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed. Have you ever been overwhelmed? Anybody is there anybody here ever been overwhelmed by a personal situation? Well, I can tell you how I have. I've lived 80 years now, and uh, there has been times when I have been overwhelmed by the situation. Jesus was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I've never been that sorrowful myself. Stay here and watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if possible, may this cup be taken from me. In other words, what he was saying, if it's at all possible, I really don't want to die. I'm being, I'm being in plain English. That's what Jesus was saying. Now I ask you a question. If somebody said to you today that you're going to die tonight in your bed, what would you say? How many of you here would say, I don't want to die tonight, please? Anybody? Yeah. Yes, we, our natural being doesn't want to die. I don't want to die. I know that unless the kingdom comes, you know, I'm 80, the, the day is coming. But I like to, I like God to extend it as long as possible. <laughs> Amen. 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 Yeah. So that's what Jesus is. But He knew what God was requiring of Him, and we know. 
Let's just finish reading this. He fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. What does the word will mean? My way. Yeah. Anybody here like to have their way? Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've got nine grandchildren. We've learned just in the last few years what that means. <laughs> Especially the last one. <laughs> God bless her. Her name is Brooke. She'll, she'll be five. There's been a huge change in her attitude in the last couple of years. The parents have been working on her full time. But boy, she has a will. Let me tell you she has a will. She loves to be heard. She loves to be noisy. She loves to be seen. She loves to be the center of attention. And she wants her way. Now, her parents are working on her. You know, on the last Sunday at a meeting in Vancouver, we never heard a beat from her. I wonder why. They've been teaching her that it's not proper to be the center of attention when you're meeting in the local church. And they're seeing some success. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> and that's what God has been doing with us since 1948. He's dealing with our will. And let me tell you, we have a strong will. A very strong will. Then he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. <laughs> I could just see the scene in my mind. Can you men keep watch with me for one hour? You can imagine what Jesus is having to put up with. Twelve different men who didn't really have a complete picture of what was happening. He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. That is what we're dealing with. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The human, natural being that we are is very weak. And he's asking us to give it up. He went a second time and prayed, My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. He didn't try just once. He didn't ask his father in heaven once. He actually, three times, if you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you'll see that it's recorded that he asked three times. When he came back, he began, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. The last time we were here, I think six, seven years ago, I spoke to the young people. I think it was in the meeting place. And I talked a little bit about my uh, cycling experience. I'm still cycling. The brethren were decided to have uh, elders and deacons meetings with the Indian brethren. And Brother Luff had sent me a text and said, Marcus, would you prepare something and to present during the meeting along with the other brethren? And at that time, I was just going up to go for a bike ride. And one of the places I like to go is a 
it's not really, it's a paved road, but there's no cars or vehicles allowed on it. It was built specifically for cyclists, runners, bikers, etc. And it goes up a valley to a huge big water dam. So it follows the, the contour of the valley. It goes around like this and up and down, but generally all the way up until you get to the dam. And I got up to the dam and this group, about eight guys and girls, caught up to me. They're much younger than me, dressed in their cycling spandex outfits. <laughs> You've seen them before. And they just kind of got around me. And then one guy says, are you going to come back with us? I said, oh, no, you guys are too fast. He said, no, no, no. Just, he said, I'll tell you what. The guy in the red shirt, just follow behind him. Keep your eye on the, on the back of his wheel and stay about five feet behind him. And we'll be on either side and just follow us. He said, it's good fun. And we'll draft for you. The word drafting. So what they do, when they're cycling like that, a pattern of it, breaks the wind. So it's much easier to cycle. Just like the geese fly in a V-shape, you know. I finally agreed. They're, I think they were having a bit of fun with me because I was much older than they were. <laughs> Anyways, we went down that trail back to the bottom and I'll tell you we were going fast and it was among the most beautiful exciting rides I've ever been on I just kept my eye on that thing and pedaling as hard and fast as I could and just stayed, tried to stay about 5 or 6 feet right behind the guy with the red shirt and uh, <laughs> we got down to the bottom of the hill and we stopped by a water farm and we're all just laughing and talking and they're, they're sort of Interviewing me, sort of this old man. <laughs> Anyways, they went a different way to go home. I had to go across this valley, across a bridge. You're not allowed to bike across the bridge. You have to walk because there's people on it. A small, narrow bridge for, uh, across the river. And as I'm walking across that bridge, the Lord spoke to me. And I actually went home and I wrote it down. And Brother Richard Holt, he, you know, I didn't look at the clock, Brother David. <laughs> 844. Brother Richard Holt, he, um, he said something that really helped me. Because, you know, sometimes we'll say, well, the Lord spoke to me, or the Lord talked to me. Well, I used to say it myself, and then I'd say, what did I really mean by that? <laughs> or, when you say it, I say, what do you mean he spoke to you? Did he speak verbally? Did he send you a text? <laughs> did he get an email? How did he... But Brother Richard Holt explained it. He said it this way. He says, the spirit drops something, a thought, down into your heart. And you know it's from God. It's real. And so the Lord popped this question into my heart. And here's what it is. I wrote it down. When you were biking down that hill, was every part functioning as it was supposed to in your body? And it made me thought of uh, Paul's admonition. We use the human body as an example of what the body of Christ is like and how it should operate. Every single part, and we were going fast, let me tell you, really fast. My legs were spinning as fast as they could go. Every part of my body was concentrated on getting that butt down on that bike safely. Every single part of my body was doing what it was ordained to do, if I can use that word, designed to do, and did it in perfect harmony. Not one part of my human body 
was in conflict with another human heart. There was no competition. Not one part of my body stood up above any of the others. The only head was Jesus. My head, only the only chief was my head. Just like in the church, Jesus Christ is the head. Now, we have the order of the church of uh, husband and wife in the home and the elders and deacons in the local church and the traveling brethren who we are expected to respect and obey. But it's there in turn all look to Jesus for direction. Yes, that's right. And my body, every single part of my body, there wasn't one single part that tried to do its own thing. Every part fit together perfectly in harmony. When we were in North Battleford, there was a group of young adults and uh, others, a group of about ten, that came and sang a beautiful song in North Battleford at the North Battleford camp this summer. The harmony was just so beautiful. If you're musical, you would know what I mean. <laughs> The hair just about stood up on the back of my head when the certain notes they were harmonizing together. It was so beautiful. And that's what God is looking for in the church things of God. And we know when we're not in harmony with one another. We know when we are not in harmony with one another in the body of Christ. In the family, disharmony causes disunity and all kinds of trouble. In the local church, same thing. Local elders and deacons, if there is disharmony amongst you, we will never reach perfection. We will never reach the goal God has called us to. God is insisting, and it's being ministered so vividly. Brother Robert talked about oneness and unity. Yeah. Now, let me take you to John 17. We'll begin verse 20. The book of John, chapter 17, beginning at verse 20. And again, I'm reading from the NIV. My prayer is not for them also. He was praying for his disciples. Alone, I pray also for these who will believe in me through their message. So he was praying for all the believers. That all of them may be one. Okay, question. What does one mean? How many mathematicians do we have? Anybody take math in school? Or anybody teach math? One is one. What does that really mean? One in spirit, maybe? I'm asking the question. One in spirit. One in the same goal? You think about it. It's a very high expectation. One in mind? 
Then he goes on and says this. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one. I and them, you in me. May they be brought to complete unity or complete harmony or complete oneness or of one accord to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It's a serious hour, thanks to God. This is very serious stuff. I'd be so crude in my language, but I don't know how else to express it. This is very serious. God is asking us as individuals to examine ourselves personally to see if there's anything in us that causes disharmony or disunity in the body of Christ, in our families, amongst us as local elders and deacons, amongst us as traveling deacons and elders. And to deal with it if there is. I want to tell you something else, though. That we can do something about it. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What does the word all mean? It means absolutely anything. So that means that I can become one, even though there's, I feel, a little disunity with somebody else. I can become one with them, with the help of the Holy Spirit, maybe? Do you think that's what it's saying? I'm seeing a lot of nodding. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Amen. But we need to give up our will, like Jesus did. The reason that we were singing about Jesus tonight is because he gave up his will. He said, not my will, but thine be done. And he went to the cross of Calvary and willingly gave up his will, his person, his personality that died completely. And he rose victorious over sin, death, and hell and invite us to come along and join him into eternity. He literally invited us to come along. But we have to go the same pathway. And that's what Brother Luff was talking about this morning. And Brother Robert last night. There's things that happen in our lives that we don't want to deal with that come along. It can be very difficult. And one of them is disharmony. Or, you hear the saying, uh, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. You ever, anybody ever heard of that? Oh, you read Chaucer, you've heard it. It's an old British, British saying, way back from back 1300. Uh, do you know what contempt means? Uh, basically, disrespect. I, I really dislike that one. But we all, in our local churches, are very close proximity to each other. Some of you folks have been in the same church all your life. And you know every person in your local assembly 
two ways. By their personality and also by their divine nature. And what did Paul say about that? We'll read it. 2 Corinthians 5.16 So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. I'm not, ask, I'm not asking you to be public. Just answer the question to yourself. Is there anybody in your local assembly that you kind of have trouble recognizing? Maybe rubs you the wrong way? Or you say under your breath, oh, not him again. How come he talks so much? Or how come he never says anything? He's so quiet. Now, don't answer me. But I'll tell you what. I do. And God is really dealing with me. The Apostle Paul chastised the Corinthian church for partaking of the Lord's Supper unworthily because they were not recognizing Christ in each other. And when I don't recognize you, when I don't see the Christ in you, it's the same as if Paul was talking to me. No difference. And he said this, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. You are actually judging yourself when you don't respect and honor your brothers and sisters. When you see their personal carnal nature overriding their spiritual nature. Not discerning the Lord's body. For the, for this reason, many are sick and weak among you and many sleep or die. Though I asked the question in the North Battleford, um, is there anybody sick in the church today? We prayed for some. Praise the Lord. We had a wonderful testimony tonight. Praise God for that. But there are people that are sick and weak in the body of Christ. And we've heard of many others that are sick and weak amongst us. When the Lord spoke to me about that, I started to pray for a couple of people that irked me the wrong way. I'm being honest with you. I know it's simple. And I got to pray for them. And one night, God spoke to me and said, Marcus, quit praying for them. Pray for yourself. That you, talking to me, will be able to see Christ in them. And he said to me, if you pray, I'll give you spiritual eyes to see the Christ 
and your brother and sister. God is looking to us to make some changes. And that is to see Christ in each other and ask the Holy Spirit to blind our eyes to the personality quirks that annoy us because of our differences in personality. Amen. Because when we begin to see Christ in each other, we will become one with Christ. And when we are one with Christ, we are one with God. And then he can finish the work of perfection in us. So tonight in prophecy, there was a lot of prophecy about Jesus. And what, why we should praise and honor him and be thankful for what he did on the cross of Calvary. He completed the pathway. He went on and he gave his will to do the will of his Father. Now Jesus is saying to us individually, and me included, I'll tell you, to give up my will and to see the Christ in each one of you so that I can be one in you and you can be one in me and we can be one in Jesus and one in our Heavenly Father and we can go right on to his kingdom. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.